0: Welcome to the School for Mystics podcast with Misha Saido and Marina Ganan.
1: In this podcast, Marina and I will share with you unique and contrarian perspective of how our lives really work. Hello, Marina. Hi, love. How are you? <laughs> Wow, it's episode number five.
0: And it's a beautiful day.
1: Yes, it is a beautiful day. You know what I was thinking about celebrating our small anniversary with the lessons from our teachers.
0: Uh, Paying homage and honor to them. Then, Yeah, perfect, beautiful. So,
1: of course we have many teachers and as, as the podcast progresses we will be sharing you know, lessons from different teachers. How about we start from someone who is truly dear to our hearts?
2: Sure.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. Who is that would be for you?
0: For me that would be a Buddhist nun called Sister Nathani what about you
1: for me it is byron katie right. she's the modern mystic philosopher you know coach still alive
0: <laughs> yeah and there's a quality to her No, there's a warmth and a simplicity to her that is that is quite touching impactful
1: so where or How did you come across Sister (laughs) Nelani?
0: It's quite a story. Tell me. I was, I was doing a pilgrimage walking from Singapore to Nepal. Wow. And, uh, we had no money. And so we turned that fact into the whole point of the pilgrimage. It was, you know, learning to travel without money (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so we would spend I don't know 12 14 hours a day walking and of course when you don't have money you have to stay out of cities like that's a very basic rule cities are expensive and so we were walking through the countryside of um, Malaysia and Thailand and um, we had nowhere to sleep, so we were absolutely dependent on the goodwill of the people we encountered. Not only to find places to stay, but also to eat or, or even find our way throughout these months. And uh, in many occasions, we got to stay at Buddhist monasteries that would offer us shelter for the night. And in one of those monasteries in Thailand is where I met Sister Nathani. She was the only nun in the the monastery that could speak English, so she was put in charge of us. We had actually attempted to get there to that particular monastery in time for a retreat, a silent retreat for foreigners but we got there a day late, so we couldn't join. And because it was a silent retreat, it was absolutely forbidden. But the master monk, Ajampo, greeted us and uh, we had a beautiful, beautiful conversation in which he agreed to have a stay at the monastery. And he would give us, like our group, the four of us, meditation practices at four o'clock in the morning and then again at 11 o'clock at night in the forest. Deep Mm. in the forest. Wow. Yeah. But every other moment of the day, Sister Nathani was in in charge of us. And uh, I had so many questions. And every single one of my questions, she answered with a movement of the hand a round movement of her hand, and she would say, Ida pakayata," And we had no idea what this meant, right? <laughs> so for a couple of days, we were really curious, and I asked her, so will you please explain to us Ida pakayata?" And she said, okay, I will, if you explain the Internet to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, imagine this is back in the 90s, right? So... The internet was pretty new. Of course, the nun in the middle of nowhere in Thailand had no idea what it was. And I had no idea how to explain it to her. But hey, I did my best. And I must have done a good job because she explained mm-hmm. Ida Pakayata to me. <laughs> and what she said was, Ida Pakayata is the interconnectedness of life. It is represented as a wheel but it actually talks about the interconnectedness of life. And so this happens because this needs to happen. And this happened because that needed to happen. But the wheel turns both ways because time is illusion. And so this also needs to happen so that that could have happened. (laughs) Yeah. And... I guess it must have been a number of factors that really hit home, helped, helped this lesson hit home for me. You know, starting with being in a Buddhist monastery in the middle of nowhere in Thailand with a, with a nun and having meditation practice at four o'clock in the morning. And but just the whole nature of the trip we were making was so insightful in terms of the interconnectedness of life right and how and how everything falls into place and everything happens exactly as it should like we were in such a state of surrender by the nature of our adventure that it was just perfect to to observe this particular lesson and so from that came all sorts of of insights in terms of precisely that. Now, Sister Nathalie was really interesting because she had been married to a Kuwaiti uh, oil magn- magn- billionaire, hmm. and uh, but she was not happy. And so at some point she remembered that her grandmother had told her, if ever in your life you are not happy, go see the monks. And so she went to see the monks in Thailand, and she became a Buddhist nun. Isn't that interesting?
1: Wow, that's really interesting. And probably that's why she could speak English, right? Exactly. Probably because of her like previous life.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So was she unpacking the uh, interconnectedness thing for, for you as you stayed in the monastery, or it was always the same answer to the question, but she would just stop there without any, you know, like references or any explanations.
0: She gave me a, a couple of, of, of examples. Like I remember I told her, well, yes, of course. Sometimes, you know, after a few months or a few years, you can connect the dots and say, oh, right, that needed to happen in order for, th- but there are so many other times in life where you cannot see the interconnection. And I remember we were walking through a path in the forest when I said that, and she turned around with her little oil lamp in her (laughs) hand. and we could see, you know, the light on her face, and she was so mad, so upset, and she looked at me, you know, and she said, you proud Mexican girl, do not pretend that everything in this universe has to do with you. And then she smiled and said, but of course it does. And turned around and said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so she, That's she told me, Yeah, she told me a couple of stories and um, trying to bring light into what this meant. But but it was really through just observation and, and reflection that I started seeing it. And again, you know, because of the nature of our adventure, we we got to witness that constantly over and over and over and over again. It was very impactful that that sense of Ida I can tell you, Misha, changed my life completely from that day forward.
1: Okay, so today you will be telling us how exactly, right? And you will share the the insights from that, that were like steaming from from that lesson. So <clears throat> let me tell you a little bit about Byron Katie and uh, how she came to my life.
2: So the story is
1: fairly simple for me, I think. At that time, I was. Getting my MBA degree at um, university uh, here in Toronto, and my, my, my dream as I was getting my MBA was just to become one of directors at um, the venture fund here in, in Canada. so I was fascinated by venture capital and um, I loved entrepreneurs, so I just wanted to become one of the directors there. And I thought that my career merged into the point where it would be very logical for me to join the Venture Fund. I knew all about it. So I I was able to secure... interview with uh, one of the owners of a very big venture fund in Canada and just in case uh, it was quite a drive from my house so just in case I decided to leave my house three hours before our meeting I would jump in my car and uh, I would you know drive to, to, to the place now unfortunately I will get into a really nasty traffic jam. I've never seen anything like that you know, before. And I would be stuck in this traffic jam for four hours. That person was very, very busy. Um, I had to schedule the interview three months you know, in, in advance. And I was late by hours. So of course he could not, you know, um, he could not take the interview. And also he said, you know, if you're late for the most important interview of your life, you'll be late for our clients. And I'm very sorry, but you are done. I was, you know, I was desperate. That's like the dream of my life has crashed on me. Also, while Canada is a big country, there are only a few venture funds here that are worth working for. And it was like number one, big one. All these thoughts, okay, I spent 250,000 to get this degree. I went through years of, you know, excruciating corporate job. I literally pushed through. I hated so much. I I worked as a a crisis manager and I pushed it through just to be at the level when I will be able to talk to the guy. And then, like, everything crashed. Um, I was lost and um, I graduated and then I could not find any other job at all. At that point I uh, discover Byron Katie so I discovered her through the body of work um, done by um, Brooke Castillo she's she's, you know I I I think Brooke is is quite incredible uh, very smart and she was in one of her podcasts she was uh, referring to to Byron Katie as her teacher and I thought okay if uh, this girl you know, thinks that Byron Katie is, is, is worth reading, I probably should do that. I paid for that book, for Byron Katie's book,
2: $18. It has completely
1: changed my perception, my life, my understanding. And I was like laughing out loud for like a few hours after that. So that's interesting how I paid $250,000 for MBA and I learned less comparing to the book that I paid $18 for. <laughs> that's like, that's incredible. So uh, after that, I've I, I become her student and um, I learned pretty much everything she has ever created, uh, everything she has ever said. And she was the first to show me the real world, the reality. From her, I learned the Socratic method: how to question your thinking, how to uh, inquire, how start distorting the how to distort your understanding in order not to distort reality. So, like, what I mean by that is how to stop believing in lies in order to understand the beauty of life and the beauty of reality. So, that's kind of a quick story. And Byron has changed the trajectory of my life as well. From corporate, top level executive, I have become a coach.
0: What an interesting story, Misha. You know, like, we really never know what is going to change our lives it can be anything at any given moment and and we prepare so much for what we think is coming without having the slightest idea of what could possibly be coming right i love i love the fact that that You can make that comparison, you know, between what you paid for the NBA and what you paid for Byron Katie. And yet at another level, I'm sure you see how they were both completely necessary for the path. Right?
1: It's interesting that you have noticed that it's impossible to connect the dots as you look ahead. But as you look behind, the dots are connected. Or you create a story that will connect the dots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. That, that doesn't stand the Socratic method
2: <laughs>
0: and the inquiry of reality, but yeah, absolutely. And I love that you told that story about the traffic, because one of the stories that sister Natalie used was precisely a guy stuck in traffic that could, did not make it to the meaning of his life. And, but in her story and the way she was explaining it, like I was, I was waiting to hear what had happened with the guy. And then she stopped and she told me, you see, you see what you're doing? You're trying to, to give continuity to something. When in reality, the reason why this guy got late to the meeting was because the taxi driver that ended up driving him when his car broke down had to pick up someone else there at that moment To get them to a meeting, they would would meet the love of their lives. And that's Hmm. more important than the meeting. Interesting. So we are all collaborating in each other's stories without knowing it.
1: Hmm. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. So it kind of widened the spectrum, you know, like, oh, even if it doesn't make sense to me, it makes sense on some level. And I can trust that.
2: You know,
1: I was, I'm thinking about that guy who missed, you know, his meeting (laughs) for other people to get to their meeting, right? To the, to, to the one that is more important and nobody really knows what is more and what is less important. Yeah. So what, what Byron Katie, often says is that when you feel love towards someone who attacks you disappoints you who is the uh, you think is the origin of your suffering but if you feel love towards this person
2: your work is done initially i was like yeah but if someone attacks you, you gotta defend yourself. And she would reply that defense is the first act of war.
1: And you need to defend yourself only in occasion if you have something to protect. But in fact, there is nothing to
2: protect in your life.
1: So there is no reason to defend it. And there is no reason to attack because there is nothing that you can acquire that you need.
0: Such a radical point of view. You know? there is nothing. It is: different.
1: It is. Like, and she was making this example with um, September 11th. It's really harsh, you know, hard thing to to, to, you know, to to speak about. And she was talking about how people think about hijackers as, as terrorists.
2: And she's like, but do you think
1: that, you know, their families and those who support these people think about them as terrorists? For them, they're heroes. It's all about just the point of perception.
2: And you, you
1: don't have any idea about what is right and what is wrong, because to understand the duality of this world, you need to understand the purpose of creation. And your little brain is too small to understand the purpose of creation. So why, you're bothering, just look at reality and understand this exactly what you need.
0: And there's also, I mean, since we're talking about, you know, the relief in understanding and sometimes the frustration of not understanding. Another one of the the lessons in Ida Pakayata was, Mm -hmm. was not only, okay, yes, that guy's meeting was more important than yours, but it also implied that this was the best that could happen to him still. Mm -hmm. You see, like the best possibility is always coming to fruition for everything. Especially if you can see everything from the perspective of oneness. And it is not a linear thing, it is coming together, you know, like a tapestry at the same time. And what I find really um, simple to see about that is that every manifestation of energy in the universe is operating at its best possibility. At the best possibility, it has consciousness of, right? Just like every human being in the world has always done the best he could. Every tree is doing the best it can, and every wolf is doing the best it can, and every river is doing the best it can, and every cloud is doing the best it can, considering the conditions, right? Right. If that is true for us, for rivers, for trees, for clouds, for everything, then the best possibility is unfolding as we speak. This is the the best possibility for you, Misha, for me, for the people who are listening to us today. This is the best possibility. And what that brings is an inevitable sense of trust and faith in life. And peace. And peace. So you can surrender to what is happening, regardless of what that is. Knowing, you know, resting in the knowledge, the absolute knowledge that whatever you need to do will occur to you. And it will come with a certainty that is not, personal and that is not moral it's just what needs to be done
1: you know it reminds me of this idea that the train is never late because it arrives exactly at the time it should arrive
2: what again what, what baroncetti used to say is that you
1: have two choices. One choice is to resist the idea that the train arrives at the right time because it should have arrived according to the schedule, according to your watch or whatever. And the second choice is relax into reality. And she says what she noticed is that the second choice brings simplicity and love while the first brings suffering exactly so it's just about being smart what what would you choose would you choose suffering or love
0: yeah i think i think a lot of the people that that would um you know resist what you are talking about is that there is that there is an idea behind and and it's it's not true. It's completely made up. But there is an idea behind the fact that oh, if I if I accept reality as it is, then that implies a passivity. Mm. That implies
1: a indifference, indifference apathy.
0: Apathy. Yeah. Yes, like I am not going to do anything about it, yeah. right? But what you're what you're trying to point to, uh, Mishai, is, is incredibly important because what it points to is well, in the in the lack of suffering. The state of mind that is brought about by a lack of suffering has the quality of clarity, which then allows us to see what needs to be done, but from a place of clarity, not from a place of frustration and an upset mind. So yes, in fact, agreeing with reality is smart, is intelligent, is wise. You know, like so many times, the only reason why we cannot think of something to do, we cannot think of how to solve things, is because we have not come into agreement with what is. You know, and the world is full of examples of this. I remember a client, you know, one day saying, No, I, I lost my phone and I was really upset for so many hours until I accepted that I had lost it and then came calm. And clarity about what I needed to do. But every single um, <laughs> every single act of suffering has to do with rejecting reality, with rejecting what is. And the end of suffering comes with acceptance. Right? Yeah. So grief, loss, we we finally start moving on when we come to terms with what is, when we finally enter an agreement with reality. And, And in this new world of pandemic that we are submerged in, well, we want to be in agreement with reality so that we can then, from a radical presence in the now and what is, have the clarity to create the future we want to create. And it might be paradoxical that in order to create the best possible future, what is required is absolute presence in the now. But that is exactly as it is.
1: You know, when I work with clients and when they come to me with their dreams and um, the realities they want to create themselves, what they always miss is the understanding of the present they want to jump there but they don't have any idea from where they are jumping because they never jump from the present moment they always jump from the past into reality <laughs> and you know to to ex- the way we explain that is Your present moment is the result of the way you thought all this time. And your present moment is as distorted as your past. So before you can plan the next big thing, before you can plan, you know, beautiful life, you need to stop distorting what you have now. You need to look fresh on what you have now
0: clear eyes
1: clear eyes exactly
0: like said used to say yeah. clear eyes just just in order to be able to see truth for what it is to see yeah. reality and now for what it is
1: clear eyes clear thinking
0: yeah yeah and i think i think i remember byron katie your teacher saying at some point the secret is choosing what is You see how simple that is.
2: Choosing what is.
1: You know, once I I went to this uh, famous jewelry, jewelry store, and uh, I have purchased uh, my wife uh, very expensive earrings with diamonds, and I was so proud of myself they would like literally like the cost was like six months of my pretty high salary at the time. And I would come and I would give her these diamonds. And of course she, she immediately loves them a few months after
2: she has lost the diamonds. And I was furious. I was so
1: frustrated. I'm like, Do you realize that we probably for these diamonds, like we could have purchased a really like expensive luxury car or like we could do so much with this money and you just lost them. And you're like, and you're like, yeah, I lost them. Sorry. And then I realized something. They were never hers
2: or mine in the first place. I have purchased them for another person.
1: not for my wife i just didn't know that at that time i thought i'm purchasing them purchasing them for my wife and i'm happy that you know i uh i've done i've done well <laughs> i really taken care about another person
0: yeah and so you see connecting that back to the interconnection and independence of life like you can trust that they went Exactly where they needed to go. Exactly. Yeah. And what a, what a, what a relief. You know, what a sense of freedom in knowing that everything is happening exactly as it should. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, sometimes these lost items, they come back to us. <laughs> and this is how we know that maybe they were ours. For a while, at least.
2: And sometimes this lost item
1: is another human being.
0: Sometimes that is exactly the way it works. You know, I was talking with someone yesterday and I was remembering another dear teacher (laughs) in my life who at some point helped me see that, you know, whenever a relationship is broken and not necessarily a romantic relationship, it can be, you know, work with any time if we're a friendship relationship or at any time a relationship is broken and then at some point continues you know the, you go back to that relationship it is not the same relationship anymore because the two persons are not the same people anymore they have gone they have experience they have and 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 so it's a completely new relationship the one that is starting now I really loved this woman because she helped me see not only that but the fact that that is also true in a relationship that does not break and begin again like the relationship is a living breathing thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: that that evolves with time and that and that we we need to become aware again coming back to the present moment of what it is and not live in our concept of what their relationship is, right?
1: You never enter the same water. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that is why, in Sisters, well,
0: no, in Buddhism, in Sisters not yeah. this example, you know, they talk about a wheel that is always moving, but it's moving in every direction, not only in one direction.
2: Yeah. Right. Mm.
1: You know, another lesson I wanted to share from Byron Katie was that loving myself and hurting myself
2: are two jobs that I have. It's only my job to hurt myself, it's only my job to love myself. And this, this notion
1: goes to the idea that there is nothing and no one who can hurt you. And there is nothing and no one who can love you. If you, For example, if you love someone, in reality, you love your thoughts about someone. If you hate someone, you hate your thoughts about someone. Now, if someone attacks you, you feel the attack of your own thoughts about the circumstance about the situation if some if you think that someone loves you in fact you just love your thoughts about someone doing events or creating events <laughs> i think this is beautiful this gives so much freedom
0: absolutely and, and you know y- you entered the world of the paradox in which you are the one. <laughs> like, but we
2: each are. Yeah.
0: We each are. You are the only one. So <laughs> I am reminded now of yeah. Rama Maharshi's teaching, you know, when he was asked, how are we to treat others? His only answer was there are no others.
1: This is some mind, mind-blowing mind answer, right? For unprepared mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, it was like completely sided, sideways, you know, and you're like you're not expecting it. But yes, there are no others. There's just you. And I love the fact that you're pointing to, yes, you are your own destroyer, but you are your own savior as well. Like there is no one else. Only you. And you have the ability to see this or not see
1: it. You know, what fascinates me about this paradoxical thinking
2: is the simplicity and obviousness of it. Like the most paradoxical stuff is so
0: obvious. But it cannot be understood rationally yes it's just self-evidenced
1: right should be experienced right
0: yeah through the experience of it like there's a deeper knowing there's a recognition of oh yes but there is no rational battle around it it is not something that can be figured out you see it's just evident it's just yeah yeah and again, going back to this, you are the one, you know, like, I guess one of the, one of the lessons in Sisters Natanis' presence was precisely mm-hmm. that, you know, like she left everything behind because she was not happy. So there is this sense of responsibility,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like an ability to respond from realizing that you are the one creating. You are the one, you know, bringing possibility into life. And so in a way, just just the fact that we can understand that it is up to us allows us to then respond from a deeper place. Yes. Yes. So simple. So simple, Misha. You
1: know, I was thinking... I was thinking about this, this this notion of of presence and uh, of idea being um, being in the now. And what I suddenly remembered is uh, something I um, I learned in uh, this book called the um, The Course in Miracles. And um, what they're talking about is that every thought, every image you have in your head is never about the present moment. It's always about the past. It's about what has happened. And that changed my whole understanding of how to be present, how to be in the now. Because the moment you think, oh, I'm in the moment, actually that moment has gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the moment you think, oh, I'm doing great.
2: It's the result of
1: your past patterns of thinking.
0: Absolutely. And, and that points to the fact that you're either here or in your head. But it's so and I would like to now like make the invitation to people to just observe how you cannot actually think about the present moment. You can perceive the moment. But you cannot think about it. The second you can, you start thinking about it, it it's because you're thinking about a past already. So the, the, the raw material of thought is the past. Mm-hmm. Even when we are thinking about the future, we're just projecting possible (laughs) possibilities based in our past, on our past, right? So you are either here or in the past. And one of the beautiful things that you were pointing to is this, you're either in life or thinking about it. But being in life is the one thing that requires no effort is effortless you don't even have to think about it you just have to be and there's a sense of urgency you know like what what do you mean just be that's it (laughs) but yeah that's it that's it and from that wholeness our mindset operates in a completely different way that is deeply connected to wisdom
2: you know i I have to confess that
1: i never understood it until recently i i heard about being in in the present moment and awareness and presence and all of that probably since i was like 10 years old But it took me more than 20 years to understand what it actually means. And my understanding came through different terminology. I never understood the idea of presence or awareness. But once someone explained to me and pointed, when I had this moment of presence, Pointed and explained what it is exactly in different words that I couldn't understand It was not a problem after and the way he explained he basically used the word devotion When you devote yourself to something fully when you lose yourself in that That's you being in the present and there are different names of that. Someone w- would call it a zone or being in the zone. Someone would say um, optimal experience. Someone would call it flow. But the devotion was the word that really landed that for me. Because I know how to, how to devote myself. I didn't know how to be present, but I know how to devote. I, I've seen people who have devoted themse- themselves to religion to science, to, you know, to art,
2: to coaching. And that's, you know,
1: that was so easy. Again, it's so simple. Just devote yourself. That's it.
0: But you see what what you're pointing to Misha is, and I don't know if you know that you said this, but you said this. you lose yourself, right? so that's the whole thing like you, you feel you feel the space so much that you disappear yeah. and so in a way is the self becomes an offering
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you bring forward in exchange for something else
1: and at the same time it is not intentional meaning there is nothing on offer. There is nothing on the table. But, there is nothing to gain when you give yourself as an offering.
0: But that's the thing, because you are, again, the present moment is full. Yeah. Right? One of the, one of the most used kohans in, in, in Buddhism is what is lacking now? And it kind of forces you to come back to this present and realize that nothing is lacking now. And so again, from that wholeness, our mental state is directly informed by wisdom, and we operate in a different way in the world.
2: So true,
1: Marina. What made you m- made you travel from Singapore to Thailand in the first place? Nepal. To Nepal, yeah.
0: That is a really difficult question. That is a really difficult question. And I and I can assure you, Misha, that anything I have answered in my life to that question has been made up.
1: Like everything.
0: I I don't know. It was just something that I needed to do. Like I can mm-hmm. tell you, well, you know, I was going through a very difficult time. I home because <laughs> yeah. da-da-da-da-da. And I can tell you, well, you know, I was young and stupid <laughs> and wild and I was just, you know, going with my friends. I can tell you anything. But but that is just the story I made up yeah. in the moment to justify it. Yeah. The truth is that there was a movement in me leading me in this pilgrimage. Yeah. And I... I went through so many experiences and I learned so much in those months that me, myself and my life were never, ever the same again.
1: I can relate so much. This is the closest you can get. I had similar experience living in in Taiwan and um, and in, in Turkey before and I Can make up so many stories. Why, you know, why I went there and uh, what uh, think I was looking for, and but the real thing, I was just cold. There you go. (laughs) You see (laughs) Michelle That's the best. It it is also also made up, but that's the best. You know, the closest you can get.
0: Yeah, and yet, and this is like another level of the paradox. And yet. You can harvest from that. You know, like, I have no idea of why I went, but oh my God, did I learn and did I harvest from that? And that has made sense for the rest of my life and has given sense to the rest of my life. So there, there is, a, again, there is a surrendering to that movement that comes from we have no idea and takes us we have no idea where. But doing it in consciousness, doing it as an exercise of self-inquiry, brings unimaginable gifts that will guide us through life.
2: Now, I have a question for you, Misha. Okay.
0: Are you happy you didn't make it to the meeting? (laughs) Yeah, right? There you go. You see that harvest. You could have turned that into a reason to not be happy ever again. But daring to address it, daring to see it in the eye, daring to self-inquire from that and allowing yourself to be guided by that, brings you inevitably to a place of gratitude
1: so true you know there is a caveat in it remember i shared with you that sometimes instead of looking at the mountains you're in a car and uh, you drive fast and instead of like uh, and you're in the passenger seat and instead of looking at the mountains and lakes and, you know, and, and people and houses and crooked houses and new houses, you look at the pointing finger.
2: And a lot of
1: my students, they would beg for an algorithm, a protocol, a schedule. They would say, How do we get to your level like there is something to get to? Can you give us exactly the steps that that you have made that can get us to the same understanding, to the same knowledge, especially in the marketing world? They say, oh, we see that you market yourself so well. Can you please give us exact steps how you're doing that so we can repeat and get the same? And while it is easy to explain this story, while it is easy to explain these steps and it's easy to explain your life and tell them exactly the steps you've made, the problem is that it will never lead them to the same result.
2: But they still go and they say, please give us algorithm. Please give us, give us the, the, the letter, the steps. When someone, Marina, asks you to give the protocol,
1: do you kind of look for the protocol and you give the protocol?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> the protocol is?
1: Yes, please tell me.
0: Get really quiet, get in a really good state of mind and follow your wisdom. That's it. There's no other protocol.
1: So when I tell them exactly the, the same thing word for word, <laughs> <laughs> they get so mad. They say, I mean,
2: everyone is telling us that. But, and then
1: I ask, but have you ever tried? <laughs>
0: But that's the thing, you know, they want, they want to know what worked for you without knowing that what worked for you was going inside and listening to your wisdom. They are trying to reverse engineer a process that is not possible to reverse engineer. Because wisdom is personal. It informs. Each person in a completely different way and and guides you to to what would make you happy, to what would help you find your well-being. That can be something completely different to the person next to you. So if you follow anyone else's quote-unquote wisdom or advice, you are missing the opportunity to listen to yourself, which is the one thing that has guided you until today, in spite of everything else you have followed.
1: Why do we need teachers then, Marina? Say that again? Why do we need teachers then? If there is nothing to follow, there is no protocol, there is no algorithm. Well... Why on earth Do we need them?
0: Because we forget that we don't need them. And we need someone to remind you that we don't need them. Yeah, and, and, and also, yeah, there's the outer teacher and then there's the inner teacher, you know, which is this wisdom. The job of the outer teacher is just to remind you of that inner teacher. Now, a real teacher will never, ever guide you to his or her own wisdom. It will bring always bring you to yourself.
1: You know, what I love about Byron Katie is that she has never given me the answer, but she has always been tempting me. She would
2: always seduce me to keep going to seek my own truth so
1: I also agree that there are teachers and there are masters the masters would seduce you
2: the teachers generally are
1: people and events that will rub your face into what you need to learn. <laughs>
0: yeah. But hey, stubborn cattle kind of needs both pushing and pulling.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, such gratitude for teachers, right? And masters. Such gratitude for them. And sometimes we need one, and sometimes we do need the other.
1: And sometimes we need none. And sometimes we need none. That's true. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: Thank
1: you. Thank you, Marina.
0: Thank you, Misha. Uh, A very fruitful exploration as ever.
1: Yes. So see you
0: next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the School for Mystics podcast.